This is Outside the Arc with Coach R.J. Barsh, discussing the game of basketball with players and coaches from around the world of hoops, presented by NBC Basketball Camps. Hi there, this is John Fazio with NBC Camps, and excited to bring to you a live interview with uh, Coach Damian Jablonski of Whitworth University Men's Basketball. Um, had the chance to get to know Coach Jay, as they call him, uh, over the last 10 years or so. Um, he has uh, helped out at our NBC camps. Um, some of our programs that we have in the summer often comes and speaks to our campers just about, uh, about their journey in the basketball uh, world. Um, just a little bit about uh, Damien before we get started. Um, he's, he's been involved with uh, Whitworth basketball for the last nine years. He uh, um, took over as the head coach this year um, for, the, for the first time. And obviously, what, what a weird year to take over the reins only to have the season cut a few weeks short they uh the Whitworth Pirates made it all the way to the Sweet 16 before um coronavirus shut down all athletic events so it would have been really interesting to see how far they they could have gone um there this season but I doing a little research um coach too it looks like you guys have won over 200 games in the time that you have been involved with the program, which comes out to 23 or 24 wins per season. You only play about 26 or 27 games. So that's a huge uh, high winning percentage um, that you guys have been able to maintain over the time that you've been involved. Um, so congratulations on all the success, but could you start off by just giving us a, a quick overview of your journey in, in college coaching? Sure. You bet. Yeah, no, we've been, we've been for, first, we've been fortunate at, at Whitworth, obviously, um, you know, our, our program has been built many years before by, you know, previous coaches and players. And um, yeah, in this last decade, uh, we were actually the winningest program in Division Three um, over from 2010 to 2020. We were about a 0.85 winning percentage, which was a lot of fun to be a part of for the, the nine years or eight years of that that I was a part of. Um, but getting to my journey, um, you know, I, probably a little bit non-traditional. I went to school, got an engineering degree from Gonzaga, ended up getting a, um, a job at Ford Motor Company in Metro Detroit. And I was working there, but really missed the game. Basketball's always been my passion. Um, my dad was a coach when I was young and growing up. So I grew up in a, in a gym, basically. And I really always wanted to be a coach, but didn't necessarily know how to go about that. And really, because I thought about doing the practical thing of getting a you know, an engineering degree. Um, but I started coaching on the side. I started uh, first volunteered and then was a JV and varsity assistant at a high school uh, a few minutes from my house in Metro Detroit. And after doing that for a few years, I was kind of, I don't want to say burned out, but I was, uh, I just felt like automotive engineering wasn't my passion. And um, I was still young enough at the time that I, I thought, you know, I could jump into trying to make basketball my, my full-time endeavor. So I quit my job and um, worked a bunch of camps throughout the summer and uh, went into pretty much every basketball office in Metro Detroit and, until I finally got a, an opportunity as a graduate assistant at Oakland University, uh, which is in uh, Metro Detroit. And uh, it's Division One school there. Uh, they, we were in the Summit League, they're in the Horizon League now. But so I got on there, worked my way up, was a video coordinator, we had some a great run there ended up becoming an assistant at Lehigh University in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, before uh, Matt Logie, who I worked with uh, as an assistant as well, um, took the Whitworth job and asked if I wanted to come with him. 
And uh, it was a great opportunity to get my family back out to the Northwest and uh, be a part of a, a program and a university that, uh, you know, really fit me personally and, and provided an opportunity to really have a, a lot of success. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, that's awesome. And fast forward to 2019-20 season, uh, what did you learn in your first year as head coach? Oh boy, uh, you know, lots of things. Obviously I, I had my own team, you know, at the high school level, but it's been a, de a decade plus. So just getting uh, back into the, the head coaching mode um, was a, a, a small transition, I guess, but you know, still lots of things to, to learn and feel out, especially being at the college level now in the head coaching spot. Um, some of the things that, well, it took a little bit, just I think, you know, going through the cycle, uh, it probably wasn't until December when we probably had a half dozen games or so under my belt that I really felt like I was starting to hit a stride. And ironically, that was actually one of the rougher times in our season. We took a couple of L's during that time, but uh, I was getting more comfortable just having gone through things, you know, um, the first time through uh, with your team, even just getting through, you know, your daily practice plans, you know, and trying to be deliberate about what you, ha what you have and what you're putting in, uh, and if it's the right time and how you're going to do that, you know, all those things just take a lot of time. And um, I'm not expecting that it won't, but I'm hoping that uh, as you become more seasoned, things like that uh, become easier and, uh, and you can fall into, um, you know, a better routine. So I learned some of those things. Um, I think one of the one takeaway was um, once I got through, you know, being comfortable with the administrative stuff, then I could get back to. Uh, the relationship stuff. I think early on in, you know, say maybe October, November, um, I didn't get to do as much of that because I was putting so much time into uh, into the practice plans, into the scouting reports, you know, into just being prepared as a coach. Um, and obviously, I think the relationship building and um, building trust and rapport with your players, even though these are uh, players on our team that I've had relationships with, I'm in a new role and um, you know, I think that's one of the things I learned, just reiterate, I knew it, but just how important that is um, to have those relationships. And, and that's the huge part of coaching. It's awesome. Um, I, I, I know that you've done a ton of camps over the years. Um, it's, it, you know, previously in your role, you did a ton of player development um, there with Whitworth. And I, and I just, thinking about some of our <clears throat> campers and, and people that, that attend our programs, do you have some thoughts on what some of the more noticeable deficiencies you see in young players coming up? You know, it's, it's hard to pin it, say, on one skill or another. I think the most obvious thing is that um, most players think they're working hard, but they're really not working at the level that it requires if they want to continue, if they want to go on to a college career, if they want to you know, if they're not in a starting spot, but want to be in a starting spot, if they're not on their team, but want to make a team, you know, whatever it, the next goal is, um, a lot of people want to do things, you know, um, but don't necessarily know how much work it actually takes or just aren't as realistic about how much they're actually putting in. So um, I don't want to say it's a fault of the players, but that's one of the things I I try and help them be aware of. And also, you know, one of the things at Whitworth that it's great when you have a great culture and you're around a lot of great, you know, hardworking players, then you, you get a better picture because uh, a lot of players 
look around and they think they're working hard because they are working hard compared to the people that aren't working hard around them. Uh, so that's probably probably one of the main things that I try and impart on players at camp is just how much it actually takes. You know, uh, another thing, I think a lot of basic skill development, a lot of fundamentals is very, very important. And while you're doing that, then on top of that, you you have to figure out things that that then can be incorporated into your game. And I always say it's like putting tools into your into your tool belt. Like now, once you've got some fundamentals and you should always work on them. Steph Curry's still working on his fundamentals every day, you know, um, and he's at the highest level possible. But once you're working on those, then you're trying to uh, figure out how do you incorporate those skills into your game. So that might be certain uh, ways to get open on the court, um, certain ways to protect the ball and get the ball in the right spot to be able to pass by someone's hip or someone's ear. It might be um, actually using a dribble move to create a little bit of space or actually applying that finishing move. You know, when do you actually apply that finishing move in the game? So I think the application and, you know, that takes a while. You, you maybe don't, when you're young, you don't really think about it. Um, you just play, which is great. And then at some point, usually when you're into a high school age, uh, especially, you start really thinking about how you apply them to, you know, what you do when the clock is running. Yeah, that's great. Good, good insight. So let's say I'm a high school player and I've got a chance to play at the college level and the Whitworth Pirate coaching staff is out recruiting. What kind of things, obviously, you know, just overall performance uh, and, and their ability to, to execute in game situations, but what kind of maybe the lesser known things are, are you looking for uh, when you're recruiting a player? Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's tough because some people obviously can just play better than other people. And so that's, that's uh, something that's subjective that we as coaches, you know, work evaluating every day, but, you know, some, some things that are important to me when I'm, when I'm watching a player play, whether it's with their high school team or club team or whatever, um, what kind of effort they put in. Um, if they're really giving a, a good effort all the time, what kind of attitude they have. Um, you know, I want players that are competitive, but I also, you know, you, you know, being competitive, sometimes you can also be overly emotional and that's not necessarily good. Um, you know, it's important in our program that you do have the skill to be able to pass, shoot and dribble. You know, I mean, those are basic things that um, very rarely I don't, do we ever bring a player in you know, just based on athleticism or just based on one of those skills. So you really do need to be able to pass, shoot, and dribble. Um, I think, uh, you know, so how they behave, what their character is, what their overall ability is. I do think shooting in general to college coaches is a premium. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the end, you want to put the ball in the basket. And, you know, it's not to say that we wouldn't recruit a player um, that was just a defensive stopper, but you're probably – need to be able to put the ball in the basket and be a defensive stopper, at least at a, to a certain, you know, level, you have to be able to do that. Um, so I, I do think the skill of shooting is really important for any player to, to work on and perfect and spend a lot of time on. Um, and then you're doing those other things. Like once we get them here, you know, uh, 
and, and you want to actually play for us, you need to be able to defend. You need to know what we're doing off on the you know offensive and defensive schemes, and you need to be able to take care of the basketball. Um, so uh, some things that might I might not like to see when I'm evaluating a player, yeah. a player that's overly emotional, a player that um, doesn't have uh, doesn't take care of the ball. Um, those are things that would be negative ticks, you know, when I'm doing uh, evaluating. Um, and maybe if you just don't have an awareness of what's going on around you, you know, um, and that's difficult to tell a player how do you become better at just being aware of basketball, but that's about playing, that's about watching the game, that's about studying, you know, good players and good teams and just spending time. Right. So, Developing that IQ. Right. Developing that IQ. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And you kind of already alluded to this, but, you know, I think often young players think that college and pro players are doing something a lot different than the fundamentals. And you had mentioned um, that every level works on the fundamentals. Um, so I do you. I guess what's the biggest difference as you increase levels? I go from a middle school player to high school. I mean, obviously, people are getting bigger faster, stronger. I mean, is that, is that what you can expect would be the biggest difference as you continue to evolve up the, up the playing ladder? Definitely. Yeah. Bigger, stronger, faster is the most noticeable, the, the speed of the game and basketball is about decision-making. So now if you're having to make all of these decisions at a quicker rate, you know, it's like driving us, it's like going on a Sunday drive and then getting in, you know, the Daytona, like you got to make, you got to make decisions a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, so I think that's generally the transition that especially freshmen almost always notice. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, you talked about the fundamentals and we do work on team fundamental things, especially as warmups and that kind of thing. But when you get to a higher level that, that work, you know, there's less time in team practice that's dedicated to that, even though we still do some, um, and there's a lot more ownership by the by the players themselves to get it work in outside of the get you know outside of the the practice time. You know Ben College, who uh, played for us, just graduated, was a, an All American for us, and is the second all time leading scorer in Whitworth history. You know he get up a thousand makes a a week on the regular, you know outside of our practice. Wow. You know, and that's that's what it takes to not only develop that skill, but then, you know, he's had it, it's maintaining it. He's doing that to maintain it, you know, so guys get in and that, and he's also doing, you know, ball handling drills. He's also, you know, doing other, other things besides just shooting, but um, the amount of work that you have to put in to those fundamentals, um, you know, is in your responsibility a little bit more too, when you get higher and higher. And that's why you see guys like Steph Curry and pro players, you know, have those routines where, um, they're still doing fundamental things as part of their day-to-day. -day. Yeah. A question that would maybe be geared towards some of the coaches listening, but uh, how did your playing career impact the way you coach? Yeah, you know, so I, I my highest level was at the high school level. Um, you know, I obviously, my, I had desire, I had dreams to, you know, play at higher levels. When I got through the small town, uh, you know, Montana basketball career, I wasn't a recruited athlete. And, um, you know, not to say that I might not have been able to, you know, seek something out, but uh, it just seemed like that was going to be a difficult thing for me. Um, so some of the things I think I take away, I, I you know, I have some more uh, maybe empathy or understanding of 
some of those guys that are just trying to put it together with the lights on because that was probably my biggest thing. I didn't consistently do that in my competitive career, not to the degree that I thought I was capable of. Um, and, uh, you know, the mental game is huge. Um, confidence is huge. And just playing and not thinking is really important. And so I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, I try and incorporate into my coaching is, you know, we want guys to be able to compartmentalize when we're learning your thinking. And then when you're playing, you want to, you want to have developed those skills and that understanding to a point that you don't have to think as much when you're playing. And that's, that's one thing that I think um, maybe my playing experience helps me and my coaching is that knowing that I was a guy that overthought, overthought things, you know, at times. And so, um, you know, I'm, I try and be deliberate about um, helping our players not do that, you know, or, or not feel like they're forced to, you know, feeling like they can play with some freedom. But again, it takes reps and skill development to be able to, to do anything without thought. You have to put the time in. For sure. One thing I really love about your coaching personality is your openness and willingness to to seek advice and wisdom. I've even spoken with guys on your staff that said you're constantly coming to them, asking for their opinion, asking if they're seeing anything different. I think that's a pretty neat quality. Obviously some coaches get plenty successful just doing it their way all the time and not really branching out, but what's kind of motivated you to, to take that stance? Uh, you know, I think, I think some of it might just be my background in general. I mean, engineering is, uh, really about problem solving and so I like to I like to always be trying to solve a problem and you don't necessarily our our problem is changing all the time you know the game changes which players you have to work with change what your opponent is changes the rules of the game sometimes change all of those things are changing so you you know in my opinion you have to continually be evolving uh, when I first got into high school coaching you know I would go to every clinic that I possibly could and I do, you know, I've done a little less um, of late, but shoot, with this quarantine stuff, it's been uh, pretty amazing, you know, even stuff like this, the, the content that's been out there for coaches to learn from. Um, I love, especially right after the season, to spend, honestly, the next two or three months, into the through the summer, just like coming, you know, reading new things, listening to speakers, um, just watching film, trying to come up with new ideas um, that we can incorporate into into what we do. And again, it's part of that's just the problem solving, but I think, um, you know, having that growth mindset, um, it actually, I like it a lot. That's one of the things that I just like about coaching. Um, it's like a creative process. Um, you know, if you're a musician, you know, and you spend a lot of time playing your instrument or, you know, using your voice or whatever, like, I think you can relate. You go through periods where it feels like you're just grinding, you know, your wheels. And then all of a sudden you have an inspiring moment and, and, you know, you just rattle off this song that you can't even explain where it came from. I feel like coaching is like that too. And so I want to get as much input as I can um, and help myself find that inspiring moment, if that makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. As we kind of wrap up here, I was just thinking about the different type of people that might uh, view this interview and um, whether it's a, a kid who's in middle school or high school or, or a coach 
Um, obviously, circumstances have been tricky the last uh, month and a half or so, but what encouragement would you give to, number one, uh, players that are stuck at home right now, and then number two, coaches that aren't able to maybe do what they're accustomed to doing? Uh, my encouragement is that um, whenever there's an adversity, right, the, the people who persevere, the, the people who are adaptable and find the good they can get out of, you know, the situation that they're in, um, those are the people that are going to be successful. And we're, we're all in a disadvantaged situation of some sort. But if you look at it the other way, which is, oh, wow, now I have time to view all this content. Now I have no, like basically no excuses. If I'm a player, you know, my excuse might be that I don't have access to a hoop, but pretty much every player's got a ball and some surface that's flat enough to dribble on. So, you know, you know, or uh, a sibling or a mom and a dad who, or a dad who will pass the ball back to you. So you can work on a lot of other skills. You can work on your shooting skills without a hoop. There are ways out, th out there to work on, you know, just your form shooting. Um, you know, there, there's, so my, my encouragement is everybody's in this boat. You know, if you're going to uh, want to, if you want to be successful, then you need to find a way to be adaptable and make the most of it. Um, you know, if you come out on the other side and you haven't progressed at all, then you missed an opportunity. You missed an opportunity. So coaches the same way, um, you know, again, there's so much free content out there right now. Um, so much accessible with the internet, um, you know, for sure you can get a lot of ideas that, uh, that uh, you know, you might not have had before. And, and again, for players, there's so much more, there's a lot of time to work on these skills. Um, and so don't, don't make excuses, but be adaptable and, and make the most of the opportunity. Yeah, that's great. Coach Damian Jablonski, thank you very much for taking some time today to uh, impart some of your wisdom and advice to our, our players and coaches. Thank you for your long support of NBC Camps. We're thankful for you and your program. And uh, good luck with this time, this downtime. Good luck as you uh, eventually get back onto the court and start looking towards next season. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay. Thank you for listening to Outside the Arc. For more information about NBC Basketball Camps, visit NBCCamps.com and listen to other Outside the Arc podcast episodes available on iTunes.